0: This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast.
1: This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently and we get to know them in a different way. I have never
0: had a job. So most people think that's the key to success. And especially at my age, we were told, you know, you want to get a, you go work for a big company and retire after 35 years with a gold watch. And uh, I just always figured I could buy myself a watch. I, I wanted to do,
1: I knew I wanted to work for myself. No, I love that. Do something you love and surround yourself with people that are passionate about what they're doing and it just wears off on you. Today's guest is Tom Rubens, business coach and author of Lifeness, Harmonize, and Entrepreneurial Life. He's also a speaker and a business coach. And, Tom, you know, you've been involved in some minor league baseball teams. So, we obviously have that in common. How did you get into minor league baseball? Just kick us off now. Well, yeah, we definitely have that in common. Uh, I got into it,
0: uh, actually, I've always worked for myself, and uh, that hasn't always worked out well. There have been good highs and lows. And after, a real severe low in the mid to late 80s. Uh, I, I can't tell you how this happened, but one day I woke up and decided I wanted to buy a minor league basketball team. <laughs> I had just, I had just, by the way, lost almost every dime I had, so it wasn't a particularly realistic goal. But uh, I decided I wanted to buy a minor league basketball team. I was living in Chicago at the time. All I knew was that there was a team in Rockford, Illinois, and the name of the league. Was the CBA? I didn't know what CBA stood for. Uh, I just knew I like
1: basketball, and I think I want to buy a minor league basketball team. And <laughs> so really, you, you lost all your. Wait, you got back in that. Yeah. So you <laughs> lost all your money, and then you wanted to buy a team. How did that happen?
0: Yeah, well, so uh, I've uh, I was a commodities trader, commodities and options trader, mm-hmm. in, in Chicago, and uh, that's a great business. It's kind of like a roller coaster, though, and some days. Uh, are really really good and you're really high and other days you're low and the idea is to get out of the business when you're on, when you're high <laughs> and uh, I just hit a low that just wiped me out more well it wiped out a lot of money but it it, it more just wiped me out uh, emotionally it was like getting a real punch in the stomach and I just felt like I, I can't do this anymore and I was in my mid 30s and I just I got to find something else to do with my life and uh, yeah so I, I left that business basically broke. I had, uh, and what happened was, I, I had, it was about a year after I, I quit trading. Uh, I decided to buy this minor league team, and I called a guy. I, well, first of all, at that time, you know, I, I didn't have an internet that I could go and Google, you know, <laughs> anything. Uh, so, I, as I said, I just knew there was a team in Rockford, Illinois. I picked up the phone uh, that was attached to the wall and called information, and reached a human being in Rockford, Illinois. At information, and I said, "Hey, look, I know. You know try doing this today." And, but I said, "Look, I know. There's a t- you got a basketball team in town. Do you happen to know the name?" She said "Oh yeah, the Lightning." And she gives me the number. I mean, it was an actual human at information, and uh, so I called them and I said, uh, "Where's your?" Asked him where the league office was, and it happened to be in Denver, and it was early in the morning, so I had to wait like two hours for an hour for them to get up in Denver because I was so excited. I had just once I decided to do it, I was in and again, so I called, and I talked to the commissioner, and well, at first, the answer to the phone, uh, I had a uh, kind of a basketball association, and I just said, hi, this is Tom Rubens. I'd like to speak to the commissioner. I thought it was kind of a goof. You know, there's no way the commissioner is going to actually answer the phone, but sure enough, one moment, please, and and, uh, Jay Ramsdell, who was the commissioner at the time, you know, how can I help you? And I said, well, you know, I'm thinking of buying uh, a team in your league. Uh, Tell me a little bit about it, and he tells me about the league, and of course, he he, he he had to send me physically a, uh, a copy of the... All, all that he really had was a, the media guide from the <laughs> previous year. Sends me a media guide, and uh, three weeks later, I had an agreement to buy a team. I, what I did was I found someone who owned a um, an expansion franchise. And I, as I said, I was just about broke. I, I had, I had $25,000 was all I had. <laughs> I called the guy... And, I, and he wanted three hundred seventy five grand for the team. So you're a little short. I'm a little short. So I <laughs> said, well, but again, I'm an options trader at heart. So I said, uh, okay, here's the deal. It, it was the end of August. I said, I will give you twenty five thousand dollars now. Send you a check immediately. And if I don't give you the three fifty by the end of April, you can keep my twenty five. Ooh. He took yeah. you up on that. He took, he thought that was the easiest 25 grand he'd ever made in his life. <laughs> and then I had to figure out how to get the rest of the money. And, uh, it was, it was, a. it was, a, I mean, you talk about pressure. There was a lot of pressure there because I, I, it, I. I was married at the time and I had to explain this to my wife. <laughs> so she was the first pitch I had to give the first sale I had to make was to my wife. And, uh, I just said, I know I can do this. I know in my heart that I can, I can make this work. And,
1: uh, she believed in me, thank goodness, because, uh, yeah, that was our last 25. Wow. And then so quickly you bought that team and then you also got involved with minor league baseball teams too, right?
0: Yeah. So after I had done that, uh, we, we, we ended up being very successful in basketball and, um, then I uh, put together another group of inve- so I put together a group of investors. Is how I did basketball. Yeah. And well, with baseball uh, teams are a lot more expensive e- n- now, even more so. But uh, then we bought the uh, put together a group of investors to buy the Waterloo Diamonds, which was in the team in the Midwest League. Yeah. Uh, and now again, the numbers are different, but it, it, same sort of thing. That was a million. A uh, million two 50 was what that team wow. cost. I, I think it was in, 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 uh, 95. Yeah. Wow. And, but I, you know, it was a million, 200, uh, excuse me. Yeah. It was, it was a million two fifty. And again, I was, you know, quite a bit short of having that much money, but I just figured out a way to raise that. We, that way we were able to raise that money a lot easier because minor league baseball was even then very profitable, but mm-hmm. in Waterloo, we, there was no way we could, make money. So we moved immediately and spent probably a year and a half looking for a city to build us a ballpark, (laughs) which so we parked the team in Springfield, Illinois, uh, while we looked and eventually,
1: uh, we landed in Lansing. So that team is now the Lansing Lugman. Oh, yeah. One of the most successful teams in minor league baseball. Well, I, no, I appreciate you sharing that because I get asked all the time, how do you end up owning baseball teams? And I say, well, you take on a ton of debt. It's that simple, <laughs> you know, and that's how we have been able to do it. It sounds like you had a similar story, but you found a way to get out of it. And, and now, you know, 40 years in the business world doing a wide range of different things. You know, I'm curious, you know, what's the most important thing we should know about you? Wow. I, I The most important thing you should know about me, I guess, would be
0: that I think maybe one of the more interesting things would be I've never really had a job and I didn't inherit anything. So it wasn't like I was able to just, you know, walk into some business. I've just always figured out different ways to make money. And I believe that it isn't I'm not saying it's not hard, but we all have ideas inside us. You know, if I asked you, how did you decide to wear a yellow tux i don't know if you could give maybe you could give me an actual answer but it started out as just an idea (laughs) hey i think this would work and then i you you take that idea and you play with it a little bit you massage it maybe it was originally a purple tux maybe it came from barney i have no idea (laughs) but all i know is you can't it's very hard to quantify Mm. creativity Mm. And And to me, there's nothing more creative than entrepreneurship. I can't play the piano and I would love to be able to sing and play the guitar. I can't do those things. But
1: creatively, my juices flow in an entrepreneurial setting. And I love that because you're right. You talk about ideas, but it really comes down to implementation. And it sounds like you've implemented a lot. Can you give us just some of these different wide range of jobs where you said you never had a job, but you found a way to make money?
0: yeah well, so uh commodities trading I just sort of fell into that. I graduated from college in December, and I thought I was going to go to law school in September, so I had nine months, and I thought I had this brilliant idea. I thought, well, I'll work for three months, save a thousand dollars, and then go to Europe and hope that when I come back, I've gotten into some law school. Mm-hmm. um That was my brilliant plan. Well, I got a job making three fifty a month. It was very tough to save a thousand dollars on three fifty a month um but i I, and i got a job on the trading floor and as soon as i was there oh man this place is great just jumping up and down screaming swearing throwing things all day long it was great i loved it and uh so i ended up staying there for close to 15 years and um and and figured out different ways to make money I, i worked for a company that said to me if you can borrow enough money to buy a membership then we will give you enough business to pay off that loan. So that made that pretty easy. And and I paid the loan off in less than a year and I was off and running. And I, and I just I never considered I could I was 40. I was in my early 40s, Jesse, before I ever really understood why anyone would want to work for anyone ever <laughs> I, I, it didn't make any sense to me I always knew I was going to work for myself yeah because I, I I would have been a terrible employee <laughs> i i I have way too many ideas and I like to say that I have very strong opinions that are subject to change on a moment's notice, but I'm going full steam ahead and then all of a sudden ooh I can I'll just make a left turn or a right turn on a dime because oh that's a, I, I think that's a better idea over there i have no I don't take uh, I know it's not about ego.
1: I don't have to be right. I just it doesn't have to be my idea. If Your idea is great. We're going your way. <laughs> I love it. You're, uh, like, you're like embracing the shiny object syndrome, jumping from thing to thing. But you're ultimately becoming the ultimate utility player. If we go back to baseball terms and you're learning all the different things about entrepreneurs. And I think that's where I want to go for the listeners. Uh, it, let's call this segment. Put me in coach. But <laughs> if, if, if you're a coach, you know, what are the problems, the biggest problems you're seeing with entrepreneurs today?
0: Probably the biggest problem I see on a regular basis is that many entrepreneurs don't really understand the value of the culture that their business biz- uh, that, uh, that they've created. They're, they're focused on the product or service they provide, but they don't realize the actual dollar value of having uh, uh, a cohesive corporate culture. And by that I mean everybody's got to be paddling in the same direction. And we all have to know what 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 the what the end game is. And so many businesses their culture is all about making money. Which hey, I'm cool. We're all here to make money, but the the culture has to include treating people well and by that I really start with your employees, not the customers. I start at home first and then then we'll go out. But keeping the people that work for me engaged in a way that I want them to know that this is their business too. Mm. And so, I mean, my, my business tends to, uh, it it just, it tends to go in phases. And right now the phase I'm in is it seems like so many of my clients are businesses that really I'm spending much of my time fixing a broken culture. And Yeah, yeah, the struggle is Sometimes at the beginning to get an entrepreneur to understand that that culture
1: equals dollars. Yeah, it's because it's, it's hard to measure. But I think what's great, Tom, we're speaking the same language. You know, I always say love your customers more than you love your product, but love your employees more than you love your customers. And yes. very few people understand that. So I'd love to go. and Let's have fun with this on Culture Club. Um, <laughs> what are the best practices you're seeing of a great culture? Well, it,
0: we we just touched on it right there. Is that the um, it is so vital that employers understand that the
1: first customer they have is their employee. Well, let's let's, put, employee, let's put that in play though. What like what are you seeing? What does that look like? If, if a company entrepreneur is working with their employees, I mean, we understand we're talking about recognition and taking care of them. But what are some you know details, practical advice that you've seen? Uh, practical advice, for example, uh, I.
0: I'm working with a restaurant and the the culture isn't broken, but we're working on it. And one of the ways that we're working on it is I suggested to the owner, I said, look, you've got a, a, a chef who's a really vital part of the business and she really needs to feel that that kitchen is hers. And my suggestion to him was, I said, look, why don't you give her what a, a budget? And I don't mean just a budget for food. I mean, give her whatever it costs to run that kitchen. Employees, food, uh, plates, everything. Give, you, you sit down with her and come up with that number, whatever that number is, and say, okay, and then add 10% to it because you're probably going to you know, be some <laughs> trial and error here and say, that's your budget. It includes your salary. It includes the salary of everyone in the kitchen. It includes everything that that is food-related in our business. If at the end of the year you've spent 10% less than that, you and I will split that. And you can take your half and split it with the employees or not. If it goes over that, you don't have to worry. I'll cover it. And we'll do this every year. And and he said, well... his his initial reaction was a little bit of fear, but I said, "Look, this is a person that's been with you for many years. It's mm. not about trust. You don't you trust, but we're like she really needs to know that this is her kitchen." Mm. And so that's an example. And, and by the way, just so I suggested it, but that was an
1: owner that that bought into it and said. Yeah, sure. I'll try that. Well, what I love about that, Tom, is that you're building so much ownership and you're actually building entrepreneurs within an organization. And I feel like so many companies don't do that. They have their one owner. They have to get all the pie. But when you build all these little entrepreneurs, then you have a thriving business where people are taking ownership. And I think we've seen that. And we have people that have only been with the company for a year or two years because we're so brand new with the Savannah Bananas. But everyone on our staff, we let them dictate their own salary. 22 to 27 years old, which I know is crazy, but the reality is we talk to them, what are you going to do with this salary? How are you going to measure yourself? What is your accountability? And what's happened is the business is thriving because we're building entrepreneurs 22 to 27. And I want to say like, is it just because of fear? Like I'm guess just talking kind of, you know, off the cuff here, why won't other owners or entrepreneurs try to build more of these entrepreneurs within their organization? Great question. And fear is part of it. And it, but here's the deal. And
0: we'll go back to the culture piece. Your job, if you're if you're doing your job correctly, is you are building all the on your, your team. You're building all these people to be successful, whether it's with the Savannah Bananas mm-hmm. or your next business mm-hmm. or your third business after that or their own business. And you can only do that. If you build people that are strong enough to take your job,
1: hundred mm, percent.
0: And so what happens is so many entrepreneurs are come from a, so many of us, forget entrepreneurs. So many of us come from a fear base where we're thinking, well, man, if I, if I bring in, let's just say I'm a, I'm a, an, a, a, a the, the CFO of a company. Mm-hmm. Well, what if I bring in a really good uh, person to work for me and she turns out to be better than I am and she'll <laughs> take my job. Awesome. That's, awesome (laughs) absolutely that's great and so with the with the example of this in this restaurant now many restaurateurs would look at that and say well geez if i teach her how to run the kitchen she could go open up her own business Mm. and i say great because you'll the next the next chef you get will know what happened to the last one Mm. and you'll have people beating on the door to be your next chef you've got to hire people that are smarter than you better than you and you've got to The gift you give them is the opportunity to take your job or go out and
1: get another one. I love it. Mark Zuckerberg said, you know, I try to hire people that are not only better than me, but that I would want to work for. And I thought that's, that's so brilliant. And that's when he brought on Sheryl Sandberg and literally the company started booming right after that. And, you know, for instance, with us, we just hired a director of fun who was a cruise director at Norwegian cruise lines for the last four years. They have more experience entertaining than I've ever had and, you know, and we're paying for it. But the reality is, I think that's when a business starts to grow up and they're not the ceiling of their owner. And is that what you've seen as well? Oh yeah. I mean, Look, you, you do a great job there. I, I felt I was doing a great job in minor league
0: sports myself, but it, I'm not the I'm not the end all, be all. I'm not the final Jeopardy answer. I got to hire people that are going to challenge me and be go way beyond the limits
1: of my imagination. Hundred percent, absolutely. Hundred percent. I want to go to Deets about the tweet. This is you were strong on your Twitter game for a long period of time, and you wrote to find out your culture is healthy or sick. All I need to do is speak with two to three employees alone, five minutes max. Uh-huh. Explain yeah. that to me, Tom. That's pretty impressive. Well, it's uh, you could actually do it in less time.
0: Uh, like what all I need to know about your culture, I got by ordering a hat. That's all I did. I ordered a hat from the Savannah Bananas. And if that's and I didn't. That was everything. I knew that these people worked for someone who really treated them with respect, who gave them whatever freedom they needed to to, for their own personality to come out. I knew that they were working for someone who absolutely positively let them know that they were that they that they were valued. How do I know that? Because I was valued. You know, when we when we walk into a, any store and, you know, you, whether it's a, a a gas station or a department store, you can tell what's going on, even if it's a big. I don't care if it's Target because, you know, Target may have its own corporate culture, but that individual store has its own culture, too. Mm. And if you walk into a store and everybody's kind of like, you know, it, it, just blah. What more do you need? You can walk in. Walk, you, you know what the whole place is. Pick up the phone and order something. Yeah. From anybody. And you'll find out about their culture. That's so call brilliant. Zappos and, 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 and complain about some shoes you got
1: and see what kind of treatment you get. It's outstanding. Yeah it it's really just seeing the energy the enthusiasm how the people act it's the experience and i talk about this you're working with restaurants but how many times do they not get the first impression right no one even greets you when you first walk in or when you leave they don't say thank you or even walmart with the greeters and they're barely even looking at you right there that says everything about the culture and i think i want to you know commend you for bringing it out like this because everyone thinks that this culture is like something very very big you can notice it very very quickly And then it is, it's all about just building the personality into the brand of caring. That's all that it is.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we all, we make decisions as human beings. We make, you know, we we make decisions on a dime. We look at somebody. It takes seconds for us to decide whether we like them, we don't like them, we trust them, whatever. And you can say, well, gee, Tom, aren't you being judgmental? No, it's just natural. We do that. We can't help it. We look at somebody we like them, we don't like. Well, when you walk into a store, you can't have that negativity sh- shooting back at you. You can't. Yeah, it's it's got a dollar. It's got a real dollar value, mm-hmm. um, and so it, so that that tweet was all about. Yeah, that was that was really a case of overpromise, I mean underpromise and overdeliver. I said I could do it in 5 minutes, but you can do
1: it in seconds. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's such a great entrepreneurial lesson. It's like start with your employees, care for them, then the culture takes care of itself. The way you take care of your customers takes care of itself, and then the revenue takes care of itself. Start with yeah. your employees first and it's just looking at it in a much different way. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just coming from a place of
0: abundance. We you know, we believe and I know you believe this yeah. that in a, in, a, in abundance, there's not scarcity. If I if I hold tight to all the things I have and don't let you in, I, the only per, the person that loses the most is me. Mm. If I show up in the world with just, I believe everybody can be happy and have whatever it is that they want. Uh, I'm likely to be much more generous, and that generosity shows up in my business. It shows up at home, and if I have a business with employees, it Absolutely shows up with
1: them. I love it. All right, before we go to our first game, I just want to get what are your thoughts on love in the workplace? Love in the workplace? Yes. I, well, I, I, that
0: could go a number of ways, Jesse. But I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I believe that for me, if I'm not loving what I'm doing, then I'm going to change what I'm doing. Mm. Because I only, I mean, I, I'm at the point where I would only, I would only work with a client that I really, really wanted to spend time with. Um, Yeah, I mean, in terms of love in the workplace, the context, uh, I guess. Loving your employees, talking about love. Well, I I probably use that word more than many other people do, because I just I believe we all have to show up with love. And I I show up with love with my clients. Yeah. And I I really if I'm not loving what I'm doing, they can see it. Mm. And I, I mean, if I'm going to talk about culture and being positive and treating people well and I show up with a bunch of negative energy,
1: whoa. I'm going to be out of business pretty quickly. So good luck. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm cool with bringing the love. <laughs> good. Well, I just jumped in there because I think a lot of business owners are afraid to talk about that. And they say, you know, we don't want to treat it like a family. This is a workplace. And, uh, you know, I feel different. I want to see your opinion on that. So, all right, we're jumping into our first game. It's truth and dare. Just do it. Which one all would right. you like first? Truth. <laughs> all right. Truth. So what is holding you back personally from success right now?
0: It's a great question. And uh, <laughs> what's holding me back from me, number one? Uh, I, I, here's what I've been suffering from lately I have been suffering from a case of excessive contentment. And I, I'm stuck in this place of excessive contentment. I've been there for a couple of years now. And you know what? I plan on staying there. I'm not being as productive as I could because the rest of my life is just going so great. I choose to spend a lot
1: of time in the, the happiness that doesn't involve my business right now. Interesting. I think there's a balance between contentment and settling. And I think one of my biggest fears in life is settling where I feel like I'm not moving, but content can be seen that way. But content can also be unbelievably positive.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm better at everything I do now. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm just spending a lot less time
1: worrying about this. Uh, that's great. All right. So you ready for your dare? I'm ready. (laughs) So we're going to do a game that we do at the ballpark. It is called Sing in the Blank. Usually we have two grown men on the field with a microphone right in front of them. And then we play a song. As soon as the song stops, they have to finish those song lyrics. And it's usually a love song singing into the other man's eyes, which is very weird. But this one, we are playing with that theme of love and culture. So you ready? I'm ready. Here we go.
0: You know, I I forgot the words. <laughs> that's the power of love. The power of love. That's the power of love. <laughs> you got that right. Well, I was going old school, little Huey Lewis in the
1: news, I, right there for you.
0: It, it, I, I I'm with you on the Huey Lewis, but you got to go a lot more old school to have stuff that's printed on my brain. Try going back to like. The 60s for that, for, for me.
1: I went back yeah, to the 80s. So. You you had minor league teams back then. I thought that would have been a perfect fit. Tom, I, I got to tell you, you're the first person not to finish that song lyric. So you've actually, as great as you've been doing, you've oh, already okay. lost Business Done Differently. So just letting you know Jeez. that. Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm just can I, uh Can I get door number three? Can I, can I get that? We, we might have to have it come back and do another song later, but uh, no, no, that was that, that was fun. We'll, we'll we'll get back later on this. We'll we'll get you back in the in the game. So total um, humiliation. <laughs> I hear you. All right, want to, <laughs> want to go? You know, quickly on on your book. You know, obviously harmonize the entrepreneurial life, and you talk about different things, the accountability factor, the gap for entrepreneurs. Can you kind of sum up? You know, what your main goal of this book was to address. I wrote this book uh, for myself twenty five years ago.
0: Mm-hmm the only problem is that 25 years ago i probably wouldn't have read it but if i would have been smart enough 25 years ago to listen to someone else who'd been there before that's who this book was for the book is really a series of stories it's a stories uh, stories from business that i then relate to our, our personal lives and or story from my personal life that i'll relate to business and because i and the, the 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 theme that runs through it is all about harmony. I think work-life balance, this pursuit of work-life balance is a fool's errand because balance implies conflict anyway. And I don't want to do anything that, in, that with conflict inherent in it, it just doesn't work for me. But harmony, especially for someone who just couldn't even remember Huey Lewis's uh, <laughs> lyrics there is kind of embarrassing. But the, the, the truth of it is, I want to sing your song. If we're arguing, the best thing I can do is find a way to harmonize with you. I don't want to balance. I want to harmonize. I want to sing your song with you in your key. And if I learn how to do that, and I just use that as my theme through my life or my business, life gets a lot better. because All these conflicts that we have, and, and I'm not immune to them. None of us are. But if we take each conflict as an opportunity to harmonize, rather than to just throw up some our own dissonant garbage, which is really... Our, you know, our defense mechanisms or our protections. Just no look for a way to harmonize with the people you're disagreeing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I, I use that. I mean, I,
1: again, I use music as a metaphor in so many ways in my business. Um, <laughs> I love so. that. Well, I think conflict are sometimes the best opportunities to create moments of magic. When something wrong happens with a business, if you come in and really listen and take care of them, that's how they sometimes can become a raven fan. Oh, Jesse, you are so right. I think that apologies.
0: Actually, I think screwing up can sometimes be a great revenue generator. Mm. And, and, and I'm going to give you a, a minor league basketball story to prove that. So our first year, uh, like I as you can't control wins and losses, and neither could I in, in, in basketball. I had no control. I didn't coach the team. I didn't play. So all I'm responsible for is the fun that you have at the game. My job was to deliver good, clean family entertainment to our fans. I spent more money on halftime entertainment than I did on (laughs) ballplayers. It was, I mean, that's how important it was to me. So in our first season, we all got together and we were sort of thinking, you know, we we had, uh, I think it was 28 home games and I had to come up with 28 halftime acts and. Uh, you know, okay, after you get over the San Diego chicken and, and all those things, I, I still got 20 left I got to come up with that are so at somewhat original. So, um, well, we someone suggested, and I thought it would be a great idea that we would have a wrestling bear and <laughs> come to the game. And at halftime, fans could come down from the stands and wrestle a bear. It scared the daylights out of me. I never would have done it, but I thought well, it would be interesting to see what happens. Was it so, a, a
1: real bear? I just want to credit. Oh. A real bear. A real live black bear. Yes. And you were, you were inviting fans to wrestle with that bear. Center court at halftime. Yep. I yep. just grown so much more respect for you and just all life for this. Cause that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Go on with yep. the story. I had to follow this in my own brain. So
0: yeah, I thought it was really a cool idea. Uh, I'd never seen it before and there is no way you could have gotten me in there, but anyway, okay, fine. So wrestling bear. Well, so game comes and it's a it seems to be a big success people come down and they're wrestling with the bear and no one died and the bear usually won but what
1: do you it, of course of course the bear won well, right. like, come on, what do you mean so people are literally like like trying to tackle the bear like what does this look like and are there any videos um, you know that
0: there might be uh i i don't i haven't seen any online but yeah the, the, it really looked like you'd stand there and you kind of it's a stand. You start from a standing position, unlike, you know, traditional, maybe wrestling in high school or college. But you're starting from a standing position. And yeah, you're trying to get the bear down. and He's trying to get you down. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So now, anyway, it was fun. Everything went well. So I thought, OK, and then again, this will help you kind of timestamp this. Two days later. A letter to the editor appears in our local paper. It was it was addressed to me. It was about me personally, <laughs> okay. And it said, you know, Tom Rubens, and it's all about. Do you have any idea what life is like for that bear? <laughs> and and I, I mean, she this lady was angry. Now this was before we were seeing you know ads for PETA and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway. And she was right, by the way. The, of course the bear is drugged. This isn't a bear we just got out of the, the wild and brought him into the game. I mean, I, I, my insurance agent wouldn't have allowed me to do that. It was, they, I'm sh- I didn't witness this bear being drugged, but I got to guess he was pretty sleepy when he showed up. <laughs> and so she said, you know, how, what a horrible thing this is to do to an animal, blah, blah, blah. Well, OK, so I, I had to think about that. Um, and I picked up the phone instantly. Again, uh, it, the, the people actually use the yellow pages. And, I, and the, so I picked up a phone book. She's listed whatever her name was. I can't remember. Mary Smith. And I picked up the phone and I called Mary Smith. And she answers the phone. And I said, hello, Mary. This is Tom Rubens from the Hoops. How are you today? Silence. And, and I said, uh, you know, Mary, I, uh, I just read your letter to the editor of the paper. And I owe you a major apology. More silence, and 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 she says, "Like really?" And I said, "Yeah, Mary. You know, you 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 brought this to my attention, and you're right. I'm sure that bear was drugged. Mm-hmm. And the more I think about it, that was a terrible thing for me to do." I said, "All I care about is." The fan experience. All I care about is that you have fun when you come to the games. And clearly I failed you a couple of nights ago. Mm. I am so, so sorry. I hope you'll accept my apology. And let me just parenthetically insert here. One of the things that everybody in Grand Rapids by that time knew is that you cannot get free tickets to a Hoos game. Because first of all, we sold out most games. And second of all, I didn't give tickets away to anybody. Mother Teresa would have had to show up (laughs) in her pocket or she wasn't getting into the game. So people knew that tickets meant something. And I said to her, if you would please allow me to invite you and your husband to come to the game the next weekend, whenever you're you're free and sit with me on the floor during the game, I would really appreciate it. I I am so sorry. And and I... there's nothing more important to me than the fun that you have, and I I, I hate disappointing anybody. Oh, well, now all this, I, I'm telling you the first part of this conversation. I know she's thinking, okay, which one of my friends is this <laughs> on the other <laughs> line here? Because it's definitely not Tom Rubens. <laughs> and when she finally realized it was me, she was practically crying because she said, you know, when when I read that you were bringing a basketball team to town, my husband and I were so happy we couldn't wait to get tickets. And we love basketball. We love the entertainment you bring to the games. Uh, I really appreciate this call. And of course, she and her husband come to the game. I entertain.
1: Fan for life. I
0: mean, they, if I still had a team there, they'd still have season tickets.
1: Amazing. That's a great and story. It, wow.
0: So it was like all about. I mean, I screwed up for her, and I wasn't going to let that happen. Mm. And she, she knew my apology was sincere. It was. There was nothing fake about it. And. She, she, I mean,
1: became, I mean, she was already a season ticket holder, but she became like a cheerleader for us. Yeah. A raving fan. I mean, <laughs> no, that, that's, I mean, that's a great example and a great story. And, and you got a whole different direction and we're going to dive in more into that with the bear and, and how many liabilities of bears <laughs> and fans. I love that, but it's just, It starts from the top. Customer service is not a department. It starts from the top. And it's those personal touches. When we have challenges with sold out games and fans unable to find a seat, I reach out or a president reach out because that only takes care of the fan and shows we care. But the whole staff also notices, wow, they really care about this. And, you know, great, great examples. I I, I shot an email to uh, Mark Cuban a few years ago. He wrote back within an hour and a half. And it's like, you know, unbelievably busy, but it's like I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan because of an owner who treats their fans like that. And I think more owners and entrepreneurs Hmm. need to realize they are in charge of the customer experience as much or more than anyone else on the staff. That is so great to
0: hear. I love the way uh, Cuban runs his team. And um, that's really nice to hear that he got he got back to that makes I'm a Bulls fan, but that almost makes me a, a Mavs fan just to hear that story. And it, it doesn't surprise me because he knows how
1: important that is. And all, he, yeah. yeah, that's very cool. It's all about the experience. All right, so I want to jump in. We're gonna di- we were going to dive into some Find Your Yellow Tux lightning rounds, but I just want to dive into one thing with that because this bear story still has my head going crazy. <laughs> you know, we own a team called the Gastonia Grizzlies, so I'm like thinking, all right, how do we get bears on the field now without liabilities? But all right, I want to jump into crazy training because, you know, people call me crazy with a lot of things we do, and I think business is to be successful they need to create attention they need to do a few things that are crazy other than having live bears (laughs) wrestling with fans is there any other things that you've done either in minor league baseball or anything else that people would say tom's a little crazy yes sadly jesse there there are other things i could give you (laughs) i'm
0: thinking the one that probably most of my friends and family think or at least thought was the craziest other than buying a minor league basketball team which (laughs) they all thought was crazy with no money uh would be uh I go on. I I go out into the wilderness and fast. And uh, so I first did that as a, a vision quest. I don't know if you're familiar, but a vision quest is really briefly kind of like a Native American rite of passage, uh, where a young brave might leave the tribe for a period of time uh, as he's going from adolescence into manhood, and he'd come back with like a a pelt or something that he'd made for the tribe. So. In more recent traditions, we just go out into the wilderness uh, and fast. And so I'll go out for, in the first time I did it, it was out. I mean, no sleep. I had a sleeping bag, no tent. So I I had a tarp in case it it rained or something. Mm But yeah, all with just water for four days. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever fasted, uh, it's an amazing experience. Fasting alone with no, electronics, no nothing. You're just yourself out in the wilderness with the the nature yeah. and water. So you're not going to die. Um, I, I do that. I, I used to do it every summer. Uh, I haven't done it in a couple summers. So, But, yeah, I, I drive out to Colorado or Utah and, and really intentionally look for a place where I'm not going to see anybody for days. Wow. And just go out there and think. It's the most creative. Uh, I mean, no matter what's going on in your life, it eventually will shut down if you're, if you're fasting for four days. Oh yeah, so and uh, yeah, it's really cool. So that that is a sort of a crazy, and and I, I am, I'm really scared uh, of wild, even sometimes not wild animals. So for me, there's always. The, in the background, there's this fear that even some little animal is going to walk up and scare the daylight out of you.
1: <laughs> well, it, it could certainly come full circle too if you're out there fasting and that, <laughs> and that giant bear comes up to you and you have to wrestle he, with it. Or his, like
0: his, one of his grandchildren who heard about how abusive I was back in the night. Yeah, that,
1: that does scare me. All right, let's let's move on to the final rounds. Uh, let's go to flip the script. So you okay. become the host of Business Done Differently. You can ask any question you want. Hmm. Okay. Uh, my question
0: would be what, what, what's your next trip? What are you going to do after this? Cause you do the bananas so well
1: and you have another team. I'm sure you do really well. What's your next trip? The next, the next venture. Yep. I think the next venture is how do we take it on the road? You know, I think what we love what we're doing in Savannah and Gastonia and selling out the games, but how do we take it on the road to impact more people? And so uh, I would love to make the bananas worldwide. So people in all different countries can see, you know, a dancing first base coach and the banana nanas and, you know, our crazy players doing the thriller dance during the games. So that would be my dream because the Globe Globetrotters do a great job with basketball, but there's no one really making baseball fast, exciting and nonstop entertainment. So that is the a dream and a vision, and we'll see if we get there. I'll be following you, Jesse. That's great. <laughs> That's a great question. So I, I love this with question, especially as a coach. And you know, the questions really—the questions people ask—I think matter so much because people are always looking for answers, but they're not always asking great questions. What are some of the best questions you are asking right now?
0: Well, I think the best question that I ask, um, and it's not an original one—I'm sure you've read uh, "Start with Why" oh, yes. by Simon Sinek. And for me, I just I ask I ask why um, probably three times at least Mm -hmm. before I'll accept the answer. Yes, Uh, Yes. the why test. Yeah, the first why is you know you know is garbage. Mm -hmm. But give me, I want to get down into your heart, and that's where I'm going to get after three or four whys.
1: And, uh, yeah, cause that's where I really want us to spend our time is in our hearts. So that's, why? That's great. And a great example with employees. We did this, I did this the other day, just out of curiosity. Uh, one of our employees, I just said, Hey, why do you, why do you enjoy working here? And she was like, I don't know. You know, it's fun. And I go, but really, why do you enjoy working here? And she says, well, you know, I, I, I enjoy what I'm doing every day. I feel like I'm making a difference. And I go, but really, why do you enjoy working here? And she goes, I don't know. I just, I just love the people. I just love being around everybody. That was like, bingo. All right. And you you have to get to it. And I think it's a hard question to ask people, but if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, ask your people why they like working there and keep going. So that was an interesting example. Absolutely. Definitely. All right. Last few, last few segments here. Tool time, Tom. Uh... Oh, that's, that's some good alliteration right there. (laughs) (laughs) What's the most important tool you have in your business toolbox? Wow.
0: Um, I think for me, the tool that I, I use the most is, uh, is a two-part tool. I think the, as, a, as a coach, really as a human, but as a coach uh, or a business owner, the tool that I use the most is listening. Mm. So I will spend more time than doing anything. Uh, I spend more time listening. And then the, sec- the, the the second part of listening is empathy. So I've got to listen, and then I've got to come back if I've really heard you, I have to I have to I, I honor you by letting you know you've been heard and that I treat you as you want to be treated. I have to I have to become I have to understand you. Mm-hmm. I have to empathize with you before I can really give you the best of me. Mm-hmm. I believe we if we all do that with our customers, uh, life for everybody gets a lot easier.
1: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Most people go into different tools like Evernote and different YouTube and Facebook. But you went into actually listening. And I think a great example going back to Simon Sinek was he said, always be the last to speak. And mm-hmm. I think when you do that, you're listening, you're understanding, you have empathy. So thank you for sharing that. All right. Next segment. Now, that's what I call service. You know, I love <laughs> customer service. So I'd love to know, is there any practical customer service experiences that you've had recently or heard of that have really made a difference?
0: Any recent customer well um let me think. I, I recently and I had some interestingly some negative customer service experiences, <laughs> which I, I don't like to bring that kind of energy. In terms of great customer service experiences, um you know, I can't think of. Well, I told you one. What are you talking about? The Savannah Bananas, man. <laughs> I bought a hat. That was the best customer service experience I've had in a long time. From start to finish, it was really easy to order it. I could. I mean, I could have ordered anything. It, it would. There was nothing uh, that even an old person couldn't figure out about your website, and every part of the transaction
1: was better than I expected. So that was an outstanding customer service experience. (laughs) This wasn't rigged, there was no payment for that (laughs) answer. Um, But you know, I I, I think it's interesting. A lot of people can't think of ones, and that's sad. If you can't think of a customer service experience pretty quickly, that means companies aren't doing it and they're not mapping the journey. And you know, we just have fun with it. When you buy uh, merchandise, we have an email that comes back, congrats, you just made the best decision of your day. And we have a lot of fun with that. And then you get a thank you call, and I hope either you got a voicemail or a thank you call, and then we package it nice. You don't just put it in a regular Amazon package. And it costs a little more and it takes a little bit more time. But uh, thank you for noticing, because I think every company can do that. I think it's important.
0: Everybody can do it. Yeah. And Jesse, it, it absolutely cemented the relationship for me.
1: Yeah, well, that
0: each of the things you just mentioned, I experienced. Now, you're right. She did leave a voicemail, but it wasn't like a, you know, a boring little voicemail. I mean, she had some personality and she really she used my
1: name and she was serious, I thought. No, you know, 100%, 100%. It's funny because so few people answer phones now because they're, they're all you got this distrust. Who's calling you? Is that a scam? Is it an unknown number? So we're, we'd like to connect more, but you know, we end up leaving voicemails. So I'm sure you're like, who is this number from Savannah calling me? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Last two segments here, Todd. I want to go into your favorites because I'm really intrigued by successful entrepreneurs and what they do and their typical routine. So what is your favorite part of your morning routine? My favorite part of my morning
0: routine uh, <laughs> its funny because I, I, you've probably read uh, Miracle Morning. Oh, hell, I'll yes. Yeah, and so I, I feel like I, I get up with Hal uh, most days. <laughs> and uh, so my favorite part of my, my so I do Miracle Morning. My favorite part is really, used to be the hardest part, but it's now the easiest part, do, which is journaling. Yes, just right. Like, I just, uh, you know, I'll take a, the way I do it is I uh, I do I journal a number of different ways, but right now the way I'm journaling is just picking. I, I have just a certain thing that I think about that over a period of time, and, and I just sort of mull it over in my journal on a daily
1: basis. It's the quickest way to find clarity in your right life. Just start writing every day, and you'll start getting yeah. it. So couldn't agree more. All right, favorite way to unwind at the end of the day. Favorite
0: way to unwind at the end of the day. Well, um, if I could do anything at the end of every day, it would be go for a nice,
1: long hike with my wife. Awesome. That would be the best way to end my day. Awesome. Love that. This is a tough question for us that read a lot of books, but what's a favorite book that stands out or maybe one that you read recently that stands out?
0: <sighs> That's funny. I've, I've got two books that, uh, well, one book that I buy 10 at a time. Ooh. I give it to every one of my clients. And I give it to people. I mean, I really—if I go to a, a meeting, I may give away some of my own books, but I'm constantly giving away *The War of Art*. Mm. Uh, Stephen Pressfield. Yes. Uh, and recently, I just uh, for, for a project I'm working on with a client, I just bought another copy of—I don't know if you read *The Rock uh, Mastering the Rockefeller Habits*. No, by I have Have you read that? No, I haven't. Well, he has—he he updated it, and is the, the latest book is called *Scaling Up*. Okay. And. It, I, I, he, it, he's some in some ways he's a little too technical for me because he's got all these forms and facts and figures and stuff but
1: he's just got really great practical
0: tools for businesses so I, I those are two books that I really like
1: one really creative and the other one pure business yeah you know, thank you for framing that question because I think that's actually a better question to add. like which book would you buy multiple or have you bought multiple copies because that means you really love it so thank you for framing that that way alright favorite magic moment this magic moment one magic moment that stands out in your life that you won't forget, other than bears wrestling people? <laughs> My, um, well, okay, yeah, this
0: would be, um, okay, here's a magic moment. I have a, a, I have a son who has special needs, and he, he's autistic, very, very verbal and very social, but just a little uh, different, I guess, is the best way I could describe it. And um, so when he was about 12, I started every night uh, or not every night, just like often uh, during the day when I would hug him, I would just say, anything's possible. And that became kind of our mantra when we would hug, anything's possible. And uh, I, you know, again, he's, he, he doesn't learn at the same rate that, that many people do. And, and he certainly can appear slow. Uh, and even I sometimes underestimate him, and here's an example of it. So the magic moment was this. For we've been doing this for quite a while. So hey, Sam, anything's possible. And you know we and we had to each say it. I would say anything's possible, and then he would say it's possible. So this particular time, we hugged, and I said anything's possible, and he kept, he, he hugged me back, and he said anything's possible, Daddy, <laughs> uh. just like that anything's possible, daddy. Like he, he, he realized that I wasn't getting it. So he just, by adding that one word, by saying it to me, said to shiver on my spine. He just, I, I thought, I'm teaching Sam, you know, anything's possible, you know, the, 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 you don't have a ceiling, you know? you know, blah, 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 rainbows and all that stuff, and he just said, you know, just right to the heart, anything's possible, Daddy.
1: Like, oh, I love that. Everybody knows that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, well, that was magic. I, I just say it now.
1: It takes me back to that moment, and it really... It really gave me the chills. Oh, that's amazing. And and so simple, too. Anything's possible. It's so inspiring. You know, one of my one of my favorite quotes is from Walt Disney. It's kind of fun to do the impossible. And (laughs) this really, really fits in with anything's possible. Thank you for sharing that. All right, Tom, we're down to our final four. And I want to final four questions of business done differently. First one, what have you done to stand out in business and in life?
0: Well, I guess we've talked about some of those things. I mean, I, I, I have never had a job. So most people think that's the key to success. And especially at my age, we were told, you know, you want to get go work for a big company and retire after 35 years with a gold watch. And uh, I just always figured I could buy myself a watch. I I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to work for myself. So right there, that would be something that's different. And I guess um, if there's anything that I've done differently is I've just always had the confidence that even if I screwed up, I could work my way out of it. And so I was not, I, I, I was not afraid of failing in business, <laughs> which is a good thing because I've done a lot, of it. <laughs> but uh, I wasn't afraid of failing. I was just,
1: uh, I would be much more afraid of not trying. Oh, I think that's great. And the, the next part of that, and I think don't, I don't know if the answer, uh, don't get a job might work here, but what advice, <laughs> what advice would you give someone to stand out in business and in life?
0: Uh, what, what, I mean, I, my, the advice I give to people who – sometimes people come to me not really knowing uh, – what do I do? I, I don't know about you, but you probably get a lot of young people coming to you. Well, yeah. you love what you do, but yeah. I don't know. What should I do? Mm. And I always go back to do something you love, to, to make sure that whatever you do in life, whatever work you do, that it you love it because you're going to be doing a lot of it. And you'll do it really well if you love it. If I, if I had to get, go back in my life, and I think of th- times when I made decisions that, that I didn't make on that basis, I think, you know, I really, sh- I, if I were to go back, I think I would do this. I would say, I'm going fi- to figure out a way to become Bob Dylan's roadie, <laughs> because that would've, I would have been really good at it, uh, not because I'm electronically inclined, but because I'm so passionate about music, and I liked his music. And I would have been around something I loved. And I would have been around all this creative energy. And who knows? Maybe I would have gone into producing concerts or producing records or whatever. But that's something I would have loved every moment of it, even though I really don't like taking up and tearing
1: down uh, concert stages. No, I love that. Do something you love and surround yourself with people that are passionate about what they're doing. And it just wears off on you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. All right. Final two here. This is always a tough one when I get asked this, but I'd love to hear your opinion is. What's the best advice you've received?
0: Oh, uh, best advice I've ever received, uh, quick story that also involves Sam. So one night I'm putting him to sleep and he says, uh, Daddy, tomorrow is going to be a great day. Mm-hmm. And I said, cool, what's going on tomorrow? He said, nothing. <laughs> I said, so, like, is the dare patrol guy coming to school again or is there an assembly? You know, what's up? He said nothing. And now I'm starting to get a little impatient. I said, Sam, tomorrow's Wednesday. It's Tuesday night. How can you tell me that tomorrow is going to be a great day? You don't even know what's going to happen. And he said, because it is.
1: (laughs) Wow.
0: He decided Tuesday night that Wednesday was going to be a great day, and this kid goes to sleep every night feeling that way. And what a surprise. Every day is a great day for Sam. So the best advice I ever got was to just look at life that way. And I could I could go to sleep on Tuesday night and decide that Wednesday is going to be a great day. Mm -hmm. I don't, but I could. And if I did
1: that every day, my life would be a lot sunnier. Oh, that's yes, and that's what I got the bright yellow to kind of feel that sunniness right now. (laughs) There you go. No, that's so rich. I I love that. Sounds like Sam may be one of the most brilliant people you've ever met. Yeah, he's definitely my my guru, my teacher (laughs) for sure. (laughs) That's great. Final question: How do you want to be remembered?
0: Um, I want to be remembered. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I, uh, <laughs> I used to say I, I want to be clean in all my relationships. I don't want to die having someone say, damn, he owed me 50 bucks. Uh, you know, I want every relationship I have to be like we've already had our final conversation you know, I love you and I know you love me. And, and we don't, there's no ambiguity. Mm-hmm. So if I want to be remembered for anything, it would be that I was totally clear and clean in every relationship. So you know, they'll all show up at my funeral and say, well, yeah, I, I really felt I, I, I knew him and he knew me.
1: And, um, I knew, always knew where I stood. He knew where I stood and we loved each other. Oh, that's outstanding. Well, Tom, thank you so much for sharing this uh, amazing wisdom. Great stories. I'm still blown away by the wrestling and the bear, the culture, Sam, uh, really, really great wisdom to share with the listeners. How can people connect and learn more from you with the book, the coaching, the speaking?
0: Well, the 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 best way to reach me is at uh, tomrubens.com, Rubens dot com, T-O-M-R-U-B-E-N-S dot com. And Actually, if your listeners are interested, I I've, I would be happy to give
1: them some special gifts Love if they it. just go to tomrubens.com/slash yellow. Yes, yeah. yellow. You hear that, yellow? And you have some great gifts right there. Tom Rubens slash yellow Tom. Thank you again so much for sharing this great wisdom, great advice and uh, keep standing out my friend. Hey guys, thanks for listening to business done differently. Our goal is simple to inspire you to think different, have fun and stand out in business and in life. For more ways you can stand out in your business, visit findyouryellowtux.com. and you can get the yellow tux handbook for free with the six steps to stand out directly from the Find Your Yellow Tux book. Finally, a big shout out to Podcast Pilot for producing the show and making all the magic happen. For questions, ideas, and feedback, I'd love to hear from you. So shoot a note to Jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.